Welcome to the podcast, Most People Don't, But You Do. We have stories and conversations about what I think are exceptional people in my life that I have experienced that are going above and beyond. And today's guest is just simply remarkable. This is Bart Berkey. I'm the CEO and founder of Most People Don't. This is going to be episode probably close to 80. So we're excited and very excited to have a very special guest, Sue Falcone. Sue is not only an immediate dear friend, she's also the founder of Remarkable Speakers Bureau. So Sue, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to learn more about you. Happy Columbus Day. I'm excited to be here too. Yeah. And one thing that I just love about you, it's your energy, it's your presence, it's your visibility. You are on social media sharing positive thoughts, good words and kindness, and you're doing this to help a group of people that are going to be on stage. And it's not you on stage, not going to be always you on stage, but you are helping so many other people. So for that, I am extremely grateful. So we wanted to start actually tell us about growing up, where you grew up and what were some of your major influences to create the person that is the Sioux of today? Well, I grew up in Oklahoma. Now, it says, yeah, everybody is from Oklahoma. That's the way it goes. But I grew up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, which was the home of Phillips 66. So I'm from all country. And I grew up always being around that. So that's all my relatives kind of worked in that field. They worked in that area. We didn't have anything. I grew up very, uh, without the modern conveniences of everything that everyone else had, but that was okay. I was very shy. I was, <laughs> look, I've made up for it <laughs> all the, you know, since then, but I had a grandmother that took care, that really invested her time in me. Now, I like to say I was her favorite grandchild. That's not really true, but she always lived close to me and she was a Cherokee Indian and didn't have the advantages that I did. And she made sure that I got an education and I knew exactly that I could be anything I wanted to be. Didn't wow. matter. Wow. And brothers and sisters, Sue? I didn't. I grew up alone. <laughs> okay. I grew up without a father family in the family. Okay. And so I focused a lot on education. Yeah. I'm a lifelong learner. My grandmother was that as well, even though she was only allowed to go to through the eighth grade. And so she had to go to work. And then she raised five children by herself in the depression. Oh my I mean, the stories are just amazing because her husband got killed early on. And so her resilience and her energy, yeah. <laughs> she said it. She worked two or three jobs. Um up until her 90s. She lasted till she was 98. I talked to her right at uh, at the end and she says, I want to make it to 100, Susie. She was the only one allowed to call me Susie, okay? Uh-huh. Because uh, she says, I want you to be able to live to be 100. And I said, Grandma, if you're tired, I said, I don't know who wants me around for 100 years, so just go ahead and rest. Oh, but she was no. still teaching and helping people. So I saw that all my life. And yeah. uh, that's Incredible. where it came from. Incredible. And was your mother working at the time? Or were, so is that the reason why your grandmother spent most of the time helping to raise you? 
she just lived close. My mother, yes, did work all minimum wage jobs. And unfortunately she was an alcoholic and had all those issues to deal with. And grandma was just that force around that kept me safe. I felt safe. And so that I was taken care of. She saw that I was taken care of. Wow. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. And then her life growing up, did she grow up on a reservation? No, she grew up in a very well-to-do family. Her mother, like I said, was full-blood Cherokee, but married into wealth. The lineage goes down. Part of our lineage is Will Rogers and those families. So grandmother had a really good upbringing. She had five brothers and her father, mother died having her. Oh gosh. And so she was the youngest and her father sent her because back then you couldn't keep a daughter in the house with all men. And so she, he sent her to cousins and that's the cousins that kind of raised her uh, with the Will Rogers in and out, now, that kind of family, that, that, uh, so she, she had a very good, taken care of very well, but like I said, because of her heritage, she couldn't go to school. Yeah. It's so interesting, right? What, what we've learned about you in three minutes to start is just remarkable already. And I'm not using that term lightly, but I knew you had some interesting stories. That's one that I would not have guessed. All right. So then while you're growing up, your grandmother has a huge influence on you. She really, I'm assuming she pushed education as well, tried yes. to encourage you that you could be anything that you want to be. And when you were then in high school, were you still relatively shy? Oh, yes. You were. Okay. Oh, yes. But I could sing. I was a singer. Uh, my goal was to be a country Western singer. <laughs> Go figure in Oklahoma. <laughs> But I didn't have the backing. I didn't have the mentorship and all like that. But I could sing. I sang in church. I sang everywhere. And I remember telling, I had very few friends. I really kept my, my personal life pretty private. At times, it was not pretty. So you didn't really, I didn't date. I spent my time <laughs> yeah, studying because I knew that was the way out of where I was. Yeah. And so that was pretty key, but I love singing. I still love music. That's why I now represent music artists, which is a circle round. And, yeah. and some of them say, well, we're just going to let you sing. I said, probably not. Okay. <laughs> I think that time has passed because I said, we want to get you bookings. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. But I can remember telling my friends that, oh, golly, I'll sing for anyone, even the president, but don't make me speak to them. Uh-huh. So that's uh, kind of how the thing went. And then I did get a scholarship to college and that's, I was just a very shy kid at college. <laughs> yeah. And was it, was it a singing related scholarship or was it? No, ed- education. Educational. I studied English. I love to write. Okay. Um, I have one published book to my name so far, yeah. but that was what I thought. I was going to be something in those fields and it didn't all pan out. And, but circling all around there, I didn't get, I didn't finish college, but that was at the time what you needed to do, what I felt like I needed to do. And I ended up <laughs> getting a job with AT&T Bell System and they saw something in me 
that made them want to give me training, skill sets, the whole works. And I ended up a 30-year career as an executive. Amazing, amazing. And so you went from long distance operator, if I was reading something about you correctly, long distance operator, 30, 30 years later, all the way up to a senior leader, senior executive within the organization. At what point, Sue, did you become less shy? I'm a graduate of Dale Carnegie. And you don't get out of Dale Carnegie being shy if you're going to graduate. And my company co-sponsored it. So I knew I had to do well. And it just opened up a new level for me that I'd never seen. I'd never seen it practiced. I'd never seen that I could really have an impact in what I said. I never really understood that maybe I had those qualities that people could see and be able to experience things in their workplace and everything. And so it was amazing that that course really kicked it off. And from then on, it was like, okay, I can do this. Wow. <laughs> and you got to remember, I was a woman and a rising executive level that they didn't have women there. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't, you didn't have it. And so I can remember many times I was in situation for you look around, I'm the only woman in the room. And so I had to face that as well. I had to understand how I could be the person and the level I wanted to be, yeah. still be me yeah. and yeah. compete there. So that was a great did, did, learning experience. No, for sure. And again, what an incredible story. Did you have mentors along the way? Yes. That was the blessing yeah. of AT&T. Okay. Because I got to meet Zig Ziglar. And he saw something in me and that was a friendship that I'll never forget. And of course I had red hair and his wife had red hair. So that was a commonality thing. But anyway, he taught me so much, so much that, and he was always TNT everywhere. He was always in most of all of our upscale levels and all yeah. that. So AT&T really pushed his career as well. Yeah. And are there any messages or statements or quotes that he had shared with you that still stick with you to this thing? All right. Lots of them. But the one I like, and it's often quoted, not the way he had it written. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm always reporting and they think I'm the one being off here. But it's the one about helping others first. And you will get what you want when you Put your focus on helping others first. And that's yes. the first was left out. But if when you do that, you'll get all what you need, what you're looking for. And he said that over and over. And that's what I do. That's the message that I know works is yeah. that I can focus on others first and it's going to all work out. It will work out. And it's played over and over again in my yeah. mind. And did you have that same approach and the same philosophy when you were with AT&T? Yes. yes. Can you yes. share with us a couple of examples? Because you were in, you were in sales for many years, correct, with AT&T? And you top 2% of all women in sales, some glorious accolades. Congratulations. Those will never go away. Can you share with us, if you remember some examples of what were you doing to help others 
while you were climbing up the ladder with AT&T? Sure. I was in a department, and of course, we also helped plan events. I hired outside speakers. I hired trainers. I was in that realm of yeah. doing that to promote sales, to promote marketing. I helped create and put into place the old time phone center stores, which were based on sales and all. And we did so well because we just innovated. They let me, this was so cool. They just <laughs> let me have the ideas, put them into place and it worked. I can remember we got fabulous trips. We got fabulous salaries. We were the first ones to put labor union people on commission. Wow. And they loved it. <laughs> they loved it. That was so key that we did. And those years, look, they got the trips. They got everything. They got everything invested in them and it really, really worked. But then I can also remember uh, we started getting into short-term goals instead of long-term. And we were selling cellular. Look, we made a ton with cellular. The old bag phones and the car phones. We yep. were the first ones to do any of that. <laughs> we just loved it. We had people lined up to do this. And of course, I was in Louisiana and in New Orleans and that area. So it was very lucrative as a business level. That was just fun. But I can remember being in those high level meetings when they decided to do away with cellular. AT&T got out of the cellular business. And I, I can remember, I felt like I was this only little person standing up and saying, you're doing what? Yeah. Why would you ever think? That's just too expensive. And I said, but we're selling it. And I said, and our manufacturers are going to make it less. They're working on it. They're I just sit there. I'm like, I am not believing this because that's what happened. We took the cellular out of the phone center stores. Wow. And that, that was critical. That was yeah. critical. Yeah. And at that point, there was probably nothing else that you could say, right? Decision had been made. Exactly. I was, <laughs> I knew that, but yet again, I felt like I still had to say it. And today yeah. I do the very same thing because yeah. I knew, yeah. even though I didn't know all the details and I didn't know all the back end of how to invent it or mm. <laughs> create it, I knew. Yeah. And I even stood up and I said, you know what? They even want pictures on it. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, it's going to, and they just looked at me like, who are you? And I said, so that's what we did. Yeah. And AT&T has continued to try and become the top in cellular again. And it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. tough. It is tough. Yeah. So then when you were done with AT&T, how did the idea come about to start Remarkable Speakers Bureau? It was a process. And I would probably still be with AT&T today. I just didn't want to move one more time because oh. <laughs> this is how I got to North Carolina and then the end of my career I got into manufacturing because we had manufacturing great here in North Carolina and they were getting out of that again yeah. they got out of the manufacturing world <laughs> so I decided they're closing my business unit I can either move and keep moving or I can take my 30 years and say what do I what who is me who do I want to be 
And so that's what I decided to do with my, I had come to North Carolina and I had met my current husband, even though I never thought that would be what I came here for. Yeah. <laughs> and now 33 years later, it's the best thing I ever did. But I asked him and he said, go find yourself, go take the time and see. That's when I decided I wanted to be a speaker and an author myself. And I did a little business on the side that kind of created that model for me. And that's what I did. I said, oh, wow, <laughs> this is cool. And he worked at that time. He, his career was all federal government. Mm. He was with the U.S. Postal Service. And I said, after you transition out of that, we'll just travel and speak. That's what we're going to do. And he thought that was great. Oh, he said, yeah, this is great. And I said, yeah, it is. <laughs> but then as I got out on the speaking circuit and met all these wonderful speakers, some of them that I'd known for a long time, because some of them I'd hired with AT&T. I was kind of in the industry knowing that. And then I decided I was on every speaker bureau in the world. And <laughs> not dishing the industry, but they were listing agencies. They were not necessarily doing anything for a lot of speakers because when you're one on those big agencies, it's hard for them to do anything for you. So I surveyed around and I said, if I was to establish a unique custom design speaker bureau, would you like to be on it? And they said, sure, <laughs> that sounds good. And so that's how we started. 13 years ago, I established Remarkable, a Speakers Bureau. And yeah. it's a Speakers Bureau because you know what, Mark? I really didn't want to be a Speakers Bureau. Yes. Because of the connotation of the name. I said, oh, I want to be a global booking agency. But guess what? That doesn't SEO anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my website marketing people we got together and I said, okay, I really don't want to call myself a speaker's bureau, but they said, okay, let's find you a name that will set you apart. Yes. And they captured me exactly because yeah, well, a speaker's bureau and that was it has my an mistake. exclamation mark yes. after remarkable because yes. I use that all the time. I use, I'm crazy on this kind of thing sometimes and so they put that in there and then a speakers bureau they said that sets you apart and yeah. so that's how it started and now we're global yeah incredible incredible and congratulations again on all your success and the thrill to be part of your family now oh, we're thrilled I, to have you ah uh, thank so, you Sue. yeah so, and i wanted i wanted to learn a little bit more about when you were speaking on stage and when you were traveling were you talking about leadership? Were you talking about sales? Can you share? Because I want to talk a little bit more about your book as well. What were your major topics? I know you can speak about anything, <laughs> but what were your, some of your favorite topics that you would share on stage? I based my whole speaking career. And when I left, retired from AT&T, I had to face a lot of things about myself. Mm -hmm. At that point, I had always been overweight in my life. I was healthy. It never damaged anything, but I weighed over 300 pounds. And so I knew once 
I really needed probably to do something about that. And then I realized my past, when you're just out here by yourself, you didn't realize maybe there's some things in your past you didn't quite take care of. Yes. And so I started writing and my topic became fear because I didn't know what was going to happen next. Now, I, I knew how I progressed and handled things for the last 30 years, but here I am. Okay, I made this decision. Now what? And I got back into my faith. I have a strong, my grandmother again, she didn't go to church, but she saw that I did. And from a very young age, and that grounded me all my life. But I probably didn't realize exactly how that all affected. So I got really into finding that out. What was it? And I published a book called The Lighthouse of Hope. And to be able to overcome those fears because God can help you do that. And that's where I started. That's where I started healing. I started mending things that I probably need to mend. Yeah. And so I started when, losing weight. I yeah, started so losing did, weight. So did the transformation, did all this occur after your time with AT&T, mm-hmm. when you were becoming a speaker, when you're like, look, I can do this. And you, there was one other when, <laughs> hold on. So all of this was occurring at the same time. Oh, is this when your husband said, find yourself? Mm-hmm. Okay. So because all we'd of always this- been together in church. We'd always done yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. But he said, do Find what you need too. to do. Because when I left yeah. Oklahoma, yeah, I really didn't go back. Okay. I didn't go back to face a lot of things there. I stayed in touch with my grandmother yes. and all, but a lot of that was not kind to me, was not what I wanted to delve back into. It was messy and I established something different and I didn't want to go back, but then I realized I did have to do some things and go back. Yeah. And uh, those were interesting times yeah. that cherish now that I did that because it came to closure. And yeah. I understood because I will share this with you, because if anyone looks up the Lighthouse of Hope, they will see that very, it's still in minor print. I don't publicize it a whole lot because it's not in what I'm doing now. So I really don't get into that, but the topic is still, I think today, even more on top of things as far as fear, but we'll see it. And my publisher, I will never forget that. They said, do you really want to share that? Do you really want that to be a theme? And I said, if I don't, who will? Because I said, they're going to find out if I get out there, they're going to want to and check out some things. And I said, it doesn't take very long to see it, Yeah. but I'm an illegitimate child born that way. I, I learned there's no illegitimate children. No, heavens. There no. isn't. No. And I learned that every time I spoke it, there was always people in my audience that said, me too. I've never admitted it to anybody. I've never dealt with it. I've never, I said, it'll come (laughs) at some point. It just does. And my publisher again said, are you sure that's 
I said, I said, I'm open, honest, transparent, and I believe every speaker should be that way. Yes. And that's what I really adore about you, Sue, your authenticity. And what I'm finding, and I don't want this to be about me, but the more that I see people open up about their own personal struggles, the more that it makes people relatable to say, me too. Because there's often this perception. I see Sue, she's all over social media. She just must have the perfect life and the perfect background and probably grew up having things given to her. And it's not as it appears. Everyone has something. And the more that we can realize that everyone has something, the more it unites us. So I'm so grateful that you're sharing this story with us. And just as you were talking about facing fear, I'll share this because it happened Gosh, it just happened yesterday, believe it or not. I shared a little bit about my nose story, my nose situation, not only my TED Talk, but when I was speaking with you last week. And it was it was traumatic to face having nose surgery again after 40 years, after having such a bad experience as a child. Well, the most unique thing happened. My wife and I yesterday went to an open house for a new condo development. So we're thinking about maybe downsizing. And we go into this lobby area. One person greets us, part of the company. And then there's another guest coming around the corner, gets into the elevator and rides up a young woman, similar in age to us. And I look at her and I said, you are my doctor. And she's just, what do you mean? I'm like, you are my doctor. You saved my life. You did my nose surgery. Let me remind you, my name is Bart. This is what happened, Dr. Doyle. This was three years ago, almost to the day. And I just thought, how remarkable. What are the chances that the doctor that lives not near us, that would happen to be touring the same condominium at the same time, riding up in the elevator with us, no other guests there. And I had to share her story again about how I used what I learned from her. Her and her anesthesiologist saved my life because they realized I was having a heart attack during this recovery. And then she came to visit me in the hospital and the anesthesiologist came to visit me in the hospital. And I said, look, I'm now a motivational speaker. And I talk about a lot of things about doing, right? Most people don't face their fears. And she was so anxious to get a copy and read or listen to my TED talk, ordered my book already. But it's just really interesting when you open up your vulnerability of, I'm also afraid of this, or I was didn't think I could do this. But then when you leave it to the universe, look at what happens. You are such a blossoming uh, person that I never would have guessed any of those things that you just shared, any of those things. Do you think that it helps you also from a resiliency perspective? Oh, I... Totally do, because recently we faced COVID, right? And let me tell you, that was another shining moment. I'm saying, okay, here we are. I thought this was going well. Mm -hmm. Now what? I'm probably the only person that expanded my business in COVID. Now, how it happened, it was just amazing. But I opened a California office and I opened a Washington, D.C. office (laughs) during COVID. (laughs) everyone says how did you do that I said I got like-minded people that uh, we still are working thinking that hey we can do this they're excellent at what they do and I said I expanded 
My reach, I not only met speakers, but I also represent entertainers, music artists, and celebrities. I didn't have a lot of background in some of those areas, so that's why I went out looking for people who did. And I found some great people in California. I have some great people in Washington, D.C., and then we expanded into Christian speakers and political speakers. And so we expanded into areas that the bigger bureaus already have. They don't necessarily promote that they have all that, but they do. But I'm keeping it small still. Yeah. This is my business model is I don't want to represent and list thousands of talent. I want the ones that we can book. And hopefully we have the skills and the talents to know that. And then it's my job is to go after the booking market, is to go after the market. So that's a little different than what most bureaus do. Yeah, no. And I give you full credit for that approach, the innovation. It goes back to your innovation, Sue. Thinking of what can I do differently, just like when you're with AT&T, what can we do differently? And you've been able to apply it because it's your business and you're confident enough that you know you can make it happen. What do you think from a sales perspective, just because I'm, I do a lot of presentations to salespeople with my background, what do you think some of the best characteristics are or traits in a great salesperson? I think the most one is they're going to have to be confident in who they are and what they do. They can't get around that because someone told me a long time ago, if you don't make it clear and concise of who you are and what you do, they will invent it. So people make an impression very quickly. No, it's seconds. So you've got to be able as a salesperson to know exactly what you do and why you do it and be confident in it before you ever approach anybody to whether it's services or products or whatever you're promoting and selling, because we're all in the sales business. When you think about it, everyone says, oh, that's a separate topic. And I said, really? I said, we're all really there, no matter what. And if you don't have that foundation, then they'll see that. Yes. That's where you yes. get pushy. That's where you get the connotation that, oh, I don't want to be around salespeople. I don't want to be sold to. I don't want to, all those kind of things. And I said, you have to make it natural. It has to be a part of you. This is what I do. That again. And I had to do the very same thing because... I thought I, after 30 years, I'd been doing this all my life. I thought I had it, but not necessarily. You really have to make sure that's where you, I think you have to know yourself. Yeah. And they say, be true to yourself. Yeah. You do have to be true to yourself, but you have to know what that self is. Yeah, no. And I think that's what a great summary, being authentic, being true to yourself, knowing your why, knowing why you're doing it. And I'll share, just reminded me of going back to visiting that new condo facility. Salesperson greeted us, asked us what our name was, but she never shared her name. I thought, which was strange. So I had to ask her name. Okay. Made a sign into a book, right? To register that we were there. I'm sure for follow-up. Okay, great. And then 
went over and immediately showed us a model of the building that was being built. And so you'll laugh at this. The thing that she started off with was the portica share and a 24 hour Bellman, a dormant door person, I guess. Portica share. Let me show you the building. We have six floors, seven floors, this many square foot. Some of these have their private elevator. And we have a portica share with a 24 hour door person. And I had a joke because I wanted her to understand. I said to my wife, I said, and I said it out loud. I said, thank goodness. The only thing that I was interested in whenever we downsize and move to a condo or an apartment is a portica share. Like it was just, it was so obviously that she was beginning just to data dump. She did not ask a single question. Why are you looking where are you moving from? What is important to you? What do you envision in a home? It, it, nothing, absolutely nothing. Didn't even ask, well, ask us our names and that was it. And it just, it, it just really surprised me. These were very expensive condos outside of our budget. That didn't matter. She didn't know that. But there was nothing that she did to connect or build rapport or to engage. What are your thoughts with engaging with people and focusing on others? First of all, if you're going to be in the people business, yeah. you have to love people no matter where they're at and you want to hear their stories. Yeah. This is all goes back to, we all have stories. We need to share them. She needed to ask first, why were you there? What were, what were you looking for? She could have easily told maybe we're not the one for you. She didn't know that. And that's, I think, key. And this is the thing. I have clients that tell me they have given me recommendations. They said, Sue, you asked the most questions that I have ever answered in my lifetime. Yeah. I said, I don't know how else to find out what you need and the talent that you're looking for if I don't ask you all that, because I know I'm going to have to share that with my speaker or yeah. music artist or whatever, because they're going to want to know. I need to know that. And one, one client said, she, she wrote this and I'm like, oh, this was, S, this was great. She said, you treated us like we were the only client you had. And I isn't, said, isn't that the goal? That's it. Said, we have lots of clients, but look, each one is separate. They're unique. And you never know what comes from it. Because see, people in sales don't realize, hey, it's not just the closure here on this one immediate thing. What's the future with those people and getting future business? You got to look at that. And I teach speakers because I get applications for our bureau all the time. And they're not ready for a bureau, but I like to share with them why they're not. What? I just recently wrote a, an article for LinkedIn. What are event planners looking to see from a speaker today or looking to see from a music artist or looking to see from us today? And it's amazing what you'll hear, what it really is that they're looking for. And I have this saying that I said, you, we don't compete. You don't have to compete and compare at all. Not ever. You just have to be in the competition and you have to know how to be there. 
And you are certainly, right, you are certainly there. You're one of the most visible people that I have seen on social media, you and your team. So congratulations to you for that, for the exposure. We, right. we work hard at it, but we know what people are looking for. Yeah. We yeah. keep looking, hearing. And I said, oh, they want to know this. Wait a minute. We got to get with this. This is, they, and they want a positive message. Right. Now, yeah. I've more, been more, more so than ever, more so than ever. It needs to be positive. Sorry, Sue. No problem. I've been known to be said, you're just too positive. Uh, we just don't like being around that many positive people. And I'm like, I don't know how else to be. I am thankful. I am blessed. How else can I live and not share that? And I think that's what's needed today. I just do because who do you like to be around? I don't want to be around a negative Nelly. I just don't. I want to be around someone that uh, will help me, that will inspire me, that will make me think and say, oh, golly, let's go this focus. So that's when I think about it, that's what we do. And I'm not faking it. I came up in the era in AT&T where, yeah, we trained it. We brought experts in, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is so untrue. You don't need to fake anything. No. And you've already made it because here you are. Here you are. <laughs> so I, I just don't get that. And I'm not a fake. Uh, if you know me well enough, this is how I wake up. This is how I go to sleep at night. I'm not a fake. I learned I don't have to fake it. No, huh. there's, you spent too much time discovering who you are. You better be yourself. You spent time figuring out yourself. This is your true authentic self. And I think that's what makes you and your company so special. Also, the people that you have partnered with. And again, honored and humbled to be part of Remarkable and the Remarkable family because the other people that I have connected with and that I have researched that are on the, also in the family, they're similar. They're real people. They're not going to be just a talking head. They're going to be sharing heartfelt ideas to be able to help people. And really, that's what it's all about. Sue, I cannot thank you enough. I want to make sure that I share some information on you. So if individuals, clients, planners, event planners, CEOs, executives are looking for uh, speakers or a celebrity or entertainer, music artist, fantastic website, RemarkableSpeakersBureau.com. Uh, Remarkable is a speaker's bureau. Remarkable exclamation point. I'm sorry, I missed that in the beginning. But just tremendous information. Again, so proud to be affiliated with you. And thank you for sharing your story. Humble beginnings, being raised a lot and influenced by your grandmother, working your way up from a long distance operator to a senior executive, having the mentors of Zig Ziglar, learning from Dale Carnegie and others and being able to apply it to improve yourself. And now your mission is to be continuing to serve people. Just a a remarkable story. I don't want to overuse remarkable exclamation point, but what a remarkable story. Thank you for having me. And you know, I'm not perfect, but I've learned nobody is, okay? You can do everything possible, but I'm still this imperfect person. I'm still learning daily. And I don't promise anything at my bureau. I I can't when I have people come on. 
I can't promise you a booking today at all, but I'm going to work hard yep. and we'll see where it goes. I'm willing to do that. And amazingly, it works. And that's, works. that's the deal. But I think knowing that we are not living in a perfect world because we're not perfect people. Yes. Yes. Again, Sue, you are simply remarkable. Sue Falcone, CEO and founder of Remarkable, exclamation point, a speaker's bureau. I am going to share your phone number just on this podcast as well, 888-766-3155. I'll make sure that I include your email address in the show notes. But just thank you for being you. Thank you for doing what most people don't. You continue to differentiate, and I'm so thrilled to be able to partner with you. Thank you. Uh, we're honored to have you and have a remarkable week. <laughs>